We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I am Carson Cunningham, joined by Kyle Porter. What's up, dude? Not much. Just the uh, riding the the roller coaster of of emotion of the Oklahoma State basketball season from from the the Allen Fieldhouse game to the to the Baylor game on Tuesday. It's been uh, it's been quite a week. Yeah, I was there on Tuesday. Mike Boynton called it a uh, a roller coaster of a season. I tend to agree with him on that. Uh, and it was it was weird, Kyle. It was almost like I had gone back in time to exactly a week prior. I was at the TCU game at home, uh, just seeing how down the players and coaches were after that one. It was like the Kansas game had never happened, and I had launched back in time to the TCU game. Just um, I. I was concerned about their chances, but I didn't see that coming. They they pretty much laid a complete egg. Yeah, they did. And, and if you look at the numbers, I, I think it was the worst they've shot um, from three from the field and maybe at the free throw line, definitely at the free throw line all season, and the worst from the field and from three-point range uh, since the A&M game in November. Or was that in early December? Whenever it was, beginning of the season. And you expected a little bit of a correction just because they were so good uh, at Kansas in terms of their shooting percentage. I mean, the, the second half at Kansas was a joke, but um, <laughs> it was kind of a joke in the other direction in terms of the way they shot it against Baylor. I didn't think Baylor was that good in the second half. And OSU doesn't score for almost 10 minutes at the end of the first and the, be- and the beginning of the second. And you can't do that. I mean, you got you, you have to be able to score. And and they started running their offense sort of through Mitchell Solomon in the second half, which was crazy. And it kind of worked, but uh, it was too little, too late against kind of a lousy Baylor team. I, I don't know. It was pretty disappointing. I thought. Yeah, uh, Baylor shot like sixty something percent in the first half, but. In the second half, they they weren't very good. They were they were there for the taking. It was the first road game they had won all season, so it was just yeah. a really just a a bad performance by OSU. I was there. Uh, the crowd was not good. It was less than half full. Um, I think I've just kind of come to expect that now on Tuesday night games. Even though it was at seven instead of six, that helped. But I don't know. It, it was interesting. Obviously, the big storyline coming out of the game was uh, I was there for the post-game press conference, and uh, they, they were asked, you know, why you guys struggle at home so much. And yeah. Kendall Smith, you, I'm sure everyone by now has heard the soundbite, but he basically said, we're relying on the crowd too much to pick us up. We can't do that. Uh, it's disappointing that, you know, we look up in the crowd and it's, there's nobody there, but we got to do better. And Mitchell Solomon agreed with him and and I totally understand where they're coming from. It's just I, I feel like we've had this conversation, Kyle, since like 2007. Yeah. With the yeah. players have changed, but the conversation has not. And mm-hmm. I, I get their frustration. And I really, I really appreciate Kendall Smith all season long. He really is is very candid, speaks his mind, and and really provides really good insight with where the team's at after games. And that is the entire purpose of a press conference. I know people have forgotten that nowadays we've gotten into so much coach speak and player speak but i really appreciate him coming out and saying it um i I just wish that they 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 really just need to realize that it's completely out of their control it's completely out of mike boynton's control they need to worry about hitting their free throws i mean worry about what you can do on the floor and quit worrying about the crowd and and i understand again I, i understand both sides but i was there and gallagher ibe arena even when it's empty can get loud. That place got loud. It was into it. They were ready to pop. The crowd was until those two just horrible droughts. So I think if you do your part on the floor, it'll be just fine. I remember I was at the game. I went to uh, to the game with my dad for the first time in a long time last year for last year's Baylor game. Remember that crazy frantic yeah, finish? Yeah. And it was about it was a very similar sized crowd, and it was one of the louder moments I can remember. So I think. Yeah. They need to realize that that place will get loud if you just do your job. And so, again, I get where they're coming from, but they need to worry about playing. Did did it feel like they were calling out the crowd, though? I mean, I wasn't there. I feel like there's a lot of context to be had in terms of what the question was, the tone of the response. Like, did it feel like I – don't, I don't know. It was, it was difficult to read the words on paper and decipher, like, what the intent was. 
No, I think the intent was fine. I mean, Brian Keating tweeted out the video that I shot of it. If you want to, if you want to, if anyone listening wants to go watch it, um, I think he was just kind of being honest with why they've been flat. And I think, mm-hmm. and I think, you know, Kendall came out and said that, and then Mitchell was asked kind of a follow up to that, and Mitchell was, and Mitchell was just kind of stating the obvious, like, look, obviously we prefer to play in front of a big crowd and. Uh, it certainly helps your home court advantage, but you know, they, both of them prefaced it with, but we got to, you know, we can't make that an excuse. And so I think they, they went about it in a totally fair way, a totally fair manner. I didn't feel like they were calling out the fans. I think they were just trying to be honest with why they, let's be honest. They've been flat all year really at home, barring the, you know, the Oklahoma game when the place was absolutely full. So maybe, you know, maybe they're totally correct in that they need the crowd to, to come out and play well, but Again, I, I think hitting your free throws is – it gets quiet when you do that no matter what, <laughs> no matter how many people are there. Yeah, I mean, you got seven for 15 from the free throw line. I thought Carroll was was not great. I mean, he's just been – I don't know. Has he had a great conference game yet? He's, he's had one or two, I guess. I think he was pretty good against maybe maybe West Virginia in the, in the conference opener. and uh, He was good against OU at home, I guess. But I, I don't know. He's just – He's not consistent, and he's just kind of—I I don't know. What, what, what's the deal with him? What's going on with him? I don't know. He his shot was off on Tuesday, and I think you know we we talk about them getting stops, and, and they got enough stops in that game to win. They just when you look around on the roster, it's hard to find somebody. If, if Kendall Smith is not knocking down his his long range two slash <laughs> three pointer that sometimes his foot's on the line, sometimes it's not. Yeah. If he's not he, hitting that, he loves they that could, shot. I know. If he's not hitting that though, Kyle, it, the options of scoring dwindle fast. And I thought Mitchell, like I thought, they should have fed Mitchell more than they did in the in the second half. He was pretty much mm-hmm. having his way down low. But yeah, I think this team is always going to struggle against a zone, and and Baylor runs it exclusively. And I think that's that's why you saw them struggle so much. I think you got to worry anytime a team plays a zone. And if I'm coaching against OSU, I'm running it, even if that's not our base defense. I'm running a yeah. zone, yeah. And saying, all right, Jeffrey Carroll. Um, Averett, you guys Wendy. better hit some jump. Yeah, you guys better hit some jumpers, or you're gonna lose. Yeah, yeah. But as I far agree. as Carroll goes, I just think he hasn't had a good year. I think we're seeing that you know Jawan Evans really lifted him to another level, which great point guards have a way of doing that. Um, but he just hasn't had a good year. He hasn't had a first team All Big Twelve caliber year, which is what he was picked to do, and that's that's something that they need from him. We, you and I have talked all year that they need Jeffrey Carroll to play like an all big 12 player. And he, he simply hasn't. And that's the reason they're losing games. Yeah. I feel like Smith has been interesting too, because it seems like he has, he has these games and you're like, and, and you, and I think we talked about this after Kansas and, and you've said it all year. You're like, that guy kind of looks like a pro. Like he looks like he could, uh, you know, I don't think he's going to be a pro, but he looks like one at times against the better teams, against the Kansas, against the OU, against the West Virginia and then sometimes he doesn't at all and like makes bad decisions and takes weird shots. And I, I don't know. I, I don't know how much of that is coaching and how much of it is just inconsistency within his, his own game. But uh, he, I don't know. I think he took uh, 14 shots on Tuesday and, and only had 15 points or something, something around that. And, and they really need him to be uh, really efficient offensively because he's the one guy that can kind of get to the bucket, uh, not as well as Jawan, but, but kind of in that style or in, in a different way, but, but you kind of get the same result. They don't need him taking long twos. They don't need him, you know, taking bad threes. They need him taking open threes and getting to the bucket and creating for other guys. And, uh, he's done it magnificently at times. You saw it at KU and then he's, he's done kind of inefficiently at other times. Yeah, and when I say he looks like a pro, I mean physically. At yeah, times yeah. His, no, his I know. Game, I know. At yeah. times his game does not look right. Big Twelve caliber. Sometimes he he really is inconsistent. I think that's been a huge issue as well. But but as far as just the team, like what is their offense, Kyle? Like what is their <laughs> go to? They don't really have a go to style or play or player to go to. I think that's how they get in trouble. That's how they go on these long stretches that we've seen on the road in the second halves. That's how they went on those long stretches of droughts against Baylor. They don't really have a a, 
an identity, so to speak, on the offensive end. I think that's as big of an issue as anything else. Well, but the, the frustrating part is that they have some pieces to be able to do it. I mean, Smith can create. He can get into the lane. Averett can certainly get into the lane. I don't know if he knows what to do with it when he gets there. But they've got these point guards that are that are quick and can and can do some stuff off the dribble, and then they either get in the lane and take a bad shot. They don't really have any um, kind of rim rollers w- between uh, Sema and and uh, Solomon. They're they're I don't know. They can kind of get into position and and I mean Sema has one move and it's the it's the turnaround uh right hand <laughs> right handed hook and that's in it the, in like, the paint yeah yeah that's it and then when those guys get in the lane and kick it back out to Waters and Carroll and and uh you know whoever else is out there dizzy at times or whoever they just haven't been making their threes and they they did more against KU I, I thought I thought it was interesting that that uh, McGriff was kind of the inflection point against Kansas. Like he was kind of the guy that everything ran through. I, I think maybe there's something there. I don't know if I want McGriff to be my go-to guy offensively, but in terms of, of maybe running the offer offense through a bigger guy, I, I thought that was pretty interesting because they went to him a lot. Uh, he passes it. Okay. I guess out of the post, but he's kind of got that him and, and Solomon both have that, that baseline jumper from like 12 or 13 feet. That's pretty solid. So I I don't know. They need to figure something out though, because their tournament hopes are dwindling. Uh, They need to win four of their last seven probably to get in. And they really honestly, Carson, they need another miracle road victory at at West Virginia on Saturday. Yeah. That that doesn't look good. Um, I was, I wanted to see more cam against Baylor and I guess he got poked in the eye again. Yeah. which he has a habit of doing because he just crashes the <laughs> he just crashes the glass on, on the yeah, offensive he's, end. <laughs> he's a lunatic. He's insane. He's like but the no, Calvin Bundage of, of basketball. <laughs> he is. And Gundy is just, his mouth's watering watching him play, <laughs> just wishing he could play cowboy back. Uh, but yeah, I mean, their, their hopes are dwindling and I got a text from one who knows things and basically says it just they're not very good. Like Kansas was a mess when they played them. Um, yeah. They had a really good game plan, obviously, and they hit their shots. But Kansas was a bit of a mess. So I mean, they just they just they're a flawed basketball team, Kyle. So I think um, I had this posed to me by a good friend of the pod, Mark Cooper. What if <laughs> would you sign up for this? How about a home NIT game against Illinois? <laughs> Would that would that be something you might be interested in? Could you imagine? Now That's, no one would probably show up to, to no every, would, everybody would show up. That'd be amazing. Well, more would show up than than usual for an NIT game, probably. But look, the crowds have not been good, Kyle. <laughs> we've we've probably talked about this a hundred times on here, but I remember the NIT game in like oh seven oh six somewhere around there. They played Marist at home. Yep, I remember. And my boy, Will Whittington, went to high school with him. He had like 31. He made like seven threes. And, and OSU just got just got rolled by Marist in their own gym in Gallagher-Iowa. It was and not good. Sean got fired subsequently. Uh, I think he got fired. Fi- was it right after that game? I thought it was the year after. Well, I think they lost to like Southern Illinois the year before. Um, well, they, lost, they lost to Miami one year too in the NIT. Yeah, I think I thought that was Ford that lost to Miami. A, there was a lot of NIT, a lot of NIT there. births. <laughs> <laughs> but no, uh, I think for that Maris game, Kyle, they just kind of let everyone sit in the lower bowl. Like if you came yeah. to the game, I yeah. think they just let you. It was kind of cool. It was like old Gallagher because it was kind of full for like the lower part, as much as a, a game against Maris could be. You, you walk in, but, and um, they're, they're like, uh, "Well, you can either sit in a suite or you can sit uh, on the floor. Your <laughs> yeah. pick." Whatever right. you want to do. Pick pick of the litter. Uh, <laughs> no no in OSU they would keep the security guards and make you sit in like the three hundreds while the lower yeah. level would be empty. Yeah, uh, totally. do you think do you think Underwood when he when he walked out in the Gallagher Iva for that anti game looks around and goes, Feels like home. <laughs> Again. <laughs> I'm back home. Oh, that would be that would be more compelling to me than 
uh, well, it would be more compelling. It wouldn't. It wouldn't be better than making the NCAA tournament. But I would. I'd be. I'd be more interested in that than I probably would in like a, you know, if they were a ten seed and playing. I don't know Washington. I don't know if Washington's good, but somebody in the first round of the NCAA is. That'd be would awesome. Be, yeah, like that would be. Like OK State probs would be like behind the Illinois bench, just <laughs> saying unspeakable things. <laughs> it would be an event. That that's for sure. Oh man. Okay, it's time for the Coopel Works toast of the week. Coopel Works brewing great tasting craft beer in Oklahoma City. Try the flagship F5 IPA, the bold DNR Belgian Strong Ale, or the refreshing Horny Toad Blonde. If you're next watch party tailgate or get together with friends, enjoy cold Coopel Works, and please remember to drink responsibly. Um, might need a few Coopel uh, Works for the rest of the rest of the basketball season. Hey, you're loaded up. I am. I've got some some uh, Vader in the fridge on yeah, ice. Sounds good. So it's my, dry. It's a dry county over here at my house because I didn't I didn't swing by. Uh, it's a dry county. <laughs> I haven't swung by there in a while. I just missed the uh, the Alpha Hive. They said they were bottling it like two days after I went up there. Uh, I still uh, haven't had any. I'm bummed. I ought to mail you some. Yeah, I'll, I'll get put, some. Put that in the, put that in the contract. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, who are you toasting this week, Carson? I am going to toast. I think I'm going to toast Kendall Smith again. I. I understand his frustration. Um, I certainly get it. I've certainly heard the same things from players dating back to the the Deshaun Sutton era as well. Um, It's just, it's a frustrating time for OSU basketball. It just seems like nothing can really, yeah, I think Mike Boynton's doing his best to get him out of their funk. I think it, I think he eventually will if he gets the right recruits, but Ticket prices and the way Mike Holder's handled the the basketball job has has led to this situation. Not Kendall Smith, not the players, but I appreciate him speaking his mind because um, you know too many times I've sat through a lot of boring press conferences in my day of OSU basketball, and I always appreciate what he has to say, win or lose. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna toast Kendall Smith. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, I'm gonna. To- what are you toasting him, by the way? Uh, probably a DNR. They need to resuscitate <laughs> after that one. I'm going to toast my beloved F5 to Mike Boynton. Um, not a great follow-up, but the win. We, we haven't had a pod since the Kansas game, and that, that was pretty cool. I mean, that that was certainly a moment that he will look back on, whether he's still the coach at OSU in five years or ten years or two years or whatever, and, uh, and remember. I mean, look, I, I get that Kansas lost three games at home this year and whatever, but it's still Kansas at Kansas. Like, that's a big deal. And for them to go out and, and, and be on the recruiting trail, like three, two hours after that, was, I mean, that was crazy. I, I thought it was, I thought that was pretty cool. That whole, just the way all of that unfolded. And I, I, t- I tell you what, I don't know if he's going to be successful at OSU long-term, but it's not going to be for, it's not going to be for lack of trying. I mean, he's all in, he's all in on recruiting. He's all in on, on all of it, and uh, it's it's been pretty fun to to kind of watch. Uh, hopefully, they can get to the tournament, but we'll see. So, I'm going to toast an F5 to uh, to Mike Boynton for the job that he did at KU last last Saturday. I like it. Did you see him fist pumping against Baylor out to mid court? Oh yeah, yeah. I love did it. You see, did you see him break a clipboard against Baylor? No, I heard about it. I wasn't down on the floor, so I didn't see that. I think that's great. I think he has really interesting. I, I'm kind of fascinated by his relationship with his players because it, he he's clearly more. Uh, it's more. He's just closer with his players than somebody like a Brad Underwood or a Travis Ford, and I think that he's not like a screamer or a yeller like those guys were at times, especially Underwood. And so I think that because of that, when he gets mad, like when he breaks a clipboard, I, I mean it has a huge effect. You know, and, and so I, in terms of style, I like that coaching style better. Now, will it produce the results that Brad Underwood gets or got at Oklahoma State and Stephen F. Austin? I don't know. We'll see. But I, I'm just, I, I don't know. I, I'm intrigued by sort of his style of relating to and, and his relationship with the players. Yeah, that's interesting for sure. Uh, I knew his jacket wouldn't make it 
for the second half because <laughs> did you watch did you watch the Baylor game? The officiating yeah, yeah. was as bad as it's ever been. Well, the last two times I've been to Gallagher Iowa, they were awful. <laughs> was it though? Like I feel like it's just par for the course. I feel like it just is what it is. Well, they just like they just like have they just they just decide on certain possession. I'm blowing the whistle no yeah. matter like what occurs. Yeah. Like the yeah. like the double dribble against Kendall Smith. <laughs> He literally couldn't even see his other hand, and he called it a double dribble. And then they, they, they've called just moving screens on Solomon when he's not moving. Ah, it's, just, it's, it's terrible. It's so hard to watch. Yeah, it's, uh, it's not good. By the way, what did you think about my – I said this after the game, but I feel like every team in the Big 12 is just the same team with slight variations. Like, <laughs> there's, there's no way that a Big 12 team is getting to the Final Four. No way. No chance. Yeah, it's looking like it's a a good conference top to bottom with no great team. Yeah, like That's they're all just like. the same team from from Kansas on down or Tech on down or whoever wins the conference. So, I don't know. Like is it a great conference? We keep saying that. I've I've been saying that, but you just watch and you're like, ah, is this team even good?" Like to to all of them, you know? Yeah. But I guess well, the Big Twelve hasn't had much success in the tournament either for years. Yeah. I mean, I guess oh, you made the Final Four with Buddy Heald, but other than that, no one's really made a run since I guess Kansas when they made the Final Four. I think OU actually has the best chance of making it the farthest in March, just because their ceiling is the highest with Trey Young. Yeah, I mean, if they get hot, they can they can beat anybody, and especially yeah. they'll have a good path too with a with a top four or five seed. Yeah. Um, okay, let's talk unions. Let's get to this week's uniform review brought to you by Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop on Campus Corner, and be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Uh, the Baylor the Baylor OSU basketball matchup, any thoughts? You were there? Baylor's, yeah. Baylor's uh, fluorescent. I get Oh, yeah. What? By the way, we need to talk before I forget. Uh, you've never seen Fixer Upper? No. <laughs> Like okay, they they show uh, well. First, I had an intern with me named Janet who had saw on tw- I guess Baylor posted a clip on Twitter of Chip Gaines shooting a half court shot in Gallagher and hitting it or whatever. And I saw the tweet and I was like, I don't know who Chip Gaines is, whatever. And I just kept scrolling. And then she just found found out he was at the game and was like, just totally all in, totally like ready to see him and take a picture of him. And I was like, I have no idea who that is, and kind of forgot we even had the conversation. But then they show him up on the big screen, and it was the loudest the crowd got all night for a guy wearing a Baylor outfit. And I was just like, who the hell was that? <laughs> and, and I tweeted out, you know, fixer-upper guy is a big deal, I guess. And then some guy that, like, works on his show. Do you watch the show? I've seen it, like, twice. Okay. Well, some guy named Dustin, who I guess is on the show, who doesn't follow me, like, saw my tweet and was like, you should watch the show. It's a great show. And I look at his bio. He's like on the show <laughs> like it, it's why i was like hgtv fixer upper and i asked janet who the hell that guy was and she said he's one of his helpers i guess i felt like i was totally i guess i'm totally in the minority i had i had no idea who he was he went to the post-game press conference and janet got a photo with him so why, she why was super he, happy but why is he in the press conference what, what, what is because he was like a he was like a he's a big dog i guess he's like well, a celebrity I, so i know like, but like why does he care to be in the in the deal oh that way. happens that happens a lot with famous famous fans like they don't really need a pass they just kind of go wherever they want it's and he's basically like a guest of scott drew essentially yeah is what it he just means. seems silly I, I don't know he even asked a question oh my god even, seriously cause, yeah because no one really had any questions for baylor players or scott drew so like once he realized everyone was kind of done asking questions, he raised his hand. I was like, "Did you win because Chip Gaines and Joanna Gaines were in attendance?" And Scott <laughs> Scott Drew had some funny answer. And finally, they they left, and I was like, "Well, the Baylor Chuckle Hut's gone finally." Yeah, so seriously, we on our business here. Um, it fixer up or overrated? So it's a it's a show on HGTV, correct? And they like fix up houses. Yeah, I mean it's it's fine. Like I enjoy it, but people overrate it. It's like Chick Fil A. <laughs> I saw your that you related it to your Chick Fil A uh, overrated stash. Yeah, which you're just trying to get a reaction when you say stuff no. like that. No, no, I'm not. Chick Fil A is Chick Fil A is is good. Like I objectively think it is good. I, I like it, but well, it's who's, overrated. Who's, it's over- who's tweeting out their love for Chick Fil A? Like who? 
Everybody. Everybody I know is is obsessed with Chick-fil-A. They're obsessed with it? Yeah. People I like it. it. I'll go, but I don't go that often. Well, then you're in the minority. I also don't don't have kids, so I'm sure kids love Chick-fil-A. You're in the minority of people that I know because everybody I know is like, oh, Chick-fil-A is the best. And it's like, well, it's fine. I mean, it's, it's, it's elite, good. Uh, it's elite fast food. <laughs> that. There's not much good fast food out there. there it's, it's among the best. There are better chicken nugget places within like five miles of my house. Like what? Uh, there's a place called Super Chicks that my wife thinks that Mrs. Pistols thinks is a like a shady joint. <laughs> she sees Super Chicks on the... Uh, <laughs> The expense report from your credit yeah, card bill, yeah. and they're like, "Where have you been?" The, but I've yeah, never heard like, of such a thing. So these the, these are Texas chains. I'm not aware of. The reality is that it's a it's a rich man's Chick Fil A. It's just better. Well, I had someone tweet me and say that Chip Gaines had single handedly made Waco not third world. <laughs> <laughs> so so I guess he's a Waco person. I guess he fixes up Waco houses. Yeah, so. yeah, they live down there. They've got like this whole s- store and. Uh, just this whole deal. It, it's big business. Well, I had zero idea who they were, and I felt yeah. like a total like dad. Where you know a, a guy doesn't know anything about pop culture or something about movies like me. Yeah, like I felt like you pretty much. Uh, okay, uniforms: Baylor's neon shoes and dark green unis versus Oklahoma State's all whites. Yeah, like I get. What Baylor's trying to do, they're like, look, our colors are green and yellow. It's hard to make that look good. So they're trying to be like Oregon with their fluorescent. And I would probably do the same thing if I were them, just so I didn't look terrible in green and yellow. <laughs> but I just, I think it's silly when they wear black and fluorescent because it's not really like, <laughs> it would be like OSU wearing, uh, let's see, blue and blue Deal. and gold. Yeah, it'd be like, oh, she's wearing teal in basketball. That's exactly <laughs> what it'd be like. I, I don't like it. So, but I, but I get where they're coming from. I, I like it. I like the fluorescent shoes. I think that's kind of fun. I really like Oklahoma State's uniforms. I feel like they do a pretty good job with the uh, the paisley print deal. Like it, it's on there and it's certainly there, but it's not. I don't know. Like it's kind of. I don't know if I love it on the football uniforms. It's fine. Like I, I like it, but I don't, I don't love it. I think it, I think it's better on the basketball uniforms. Maybe. Is that a I hot could, take? I could do, I could do without it in general. But well, I, I see where you're coming from. I think it yeah. pops more on the football. It's less noticeable on the basketball, which I think yeah. is a good. thing. it is a good thing. Um, I don't know though. I just, I really wish they had put the a smaller badge on the shorts instead of. Uh, Pistol Pete, which I'm, I'm sure I'll mention every uniform review we do. Well, one, one other quick uniform note. The week you were out, I don't know if you listened to our podcast, but Kyle Boone was unaware of what the Jordan 11s are, which is... I just, pretty much just slowly and quietly shut my laptop as soon as I heard that. I was it's, very an, it's an abomination. <laughs> well, and it's, I guess I can't be too judgmental in that I, I lose track of which numbers are which sometimes because I'm not... Like, I like... Jordans I haven't had a pair since I was like a little kid um I didn't have the 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 one my favorites are the 13s I never had those uh when I played one I wasn't good enough to wear them probably and two they were super expensive and I didn't feel like asking my parents for $200 shoes um but I know which ones are which and I if I did play I would be like Markel Brown I would have like one in every color and some in multiple colors Remember we had a Jordan tracker for him his senior year? <laughs> yeah. That was awesome. Who's paying, who's paying for all this? Like, does OSU, like, I, I want to know the inner workings of their Jordan shoes because I remember Stevie Clark had these all black ones with like a, like the all black 13s with like a teal Jordan on them. They were awesome. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, who, who paid for that? Yeah. I don't, Did I don't Travis know. Travis Ford pay for that? It's a great like, who, question. How does, how does it work? How does the Jordan deal work is what I'm wondering. But um, Jeremy Grant now in the Thunder, yeah, he was wearing the uh, I can't remember. This is where my lack of Jordan knowledge is going to show. But he's getting like some of the old school Jordans and Thunder colors, and they are incredible. Mm, I like that. I can't remember what iteration these are. I'm trying to do some research, but uh, yeah, Kyle Boone needs to do some research too because it's unacceptable that he doesn't. I mean, I, I'm not like a sneakerhead, but everybody knows what the 11s are. I mean. 
Come on. I had I had the sixes. I just in my research I've learning that. I and had the I only had one pair growing up as well. And I had the maybe the sevens. They were the ones that had the straps that went uh, across the front. Yeah, I remember the those. I had the eights. Oh, I love those. Oh, they were the best. Uh, okay, we got. We're gonna talk a little recruiting, but uh, let's hear one more time from our sponsor, Chris's University Spirit, and we will come back and wrap things up. Chris's University Spirit on Campus Corner in Stillwater, Oklahoma, is proud to be your one-stop cowboy shop since 1986, and proud sponsor of this podcast, Pistols Firing. They specialize in custom-printed Oklahoma State apparel and merchandise and pride themselves on their excellent customer service. They also offer a full line of custom Greek apparel and can even outfit your Little League team head-to-toe. They're located at the corner of 3rd and Knobloch on Historic Campus Corner. You can follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Shop Stilly, shop Chris's University Spirit. Okay, Carson, Cruton, Oklahoma State finishes 33rd. National Signing Day is uh, not what it used to be. No. Uh, I guess the early signing periods become the actual signing day. So, uh, 33rd, what, what was your – I mean, is that about what you expected, better, worse than you thought? Uh, are, you, are, you, are, you, are you down the, the Jordan rabbit hole? Yes, I am. I had the the Jordan 11s, not the 13s, is what I was talking about. I I, I got my numbers confused. Yeah, the 11s are the best Jordans of all time. No yeah, doubt. not close. Uh, I just, again, I'm probably going to say this every signing day, but I thought you pointed it out in Slack. I guess OSU was behind Maryland and Baylor in recruiting rankings. Like not not good. And I guess this is like one of the better classes Gundy's had. It's just. Again, who am I to question Mike Gundy? He's turned OSU into a top 15 program. It's just I don't understand why they can't recruit like one, too. I get, I guess his system's obviously working. That's why they are a top 15 program. So it's hard to criticize, but I just, if they want to get to, if they want to win in more than one big 12, 12 title, like, Texas is back as far as recruiting is concerned. They're getting top yeah. three classes. Yeah. You know, Charlie Strong's sure. getting top 10. Tom Herman's getting top three. That's a, that's a big difference. OU now is getting a top ten class. They're going to start recruiting at an elite level. So this window that Gundy's had, I think, is closing as far as you know being the second best program in the Big Twelve. So I just it's frustrating to to see them ranked thirty third when there's far inferior programs ahead of them. Yeah, I went back and looked up the top programs in terms of winning percentage over the last three years. And that's a little bit of an unfair sort of arbitrary number because Oklahoma State's been really good over the last three years. If you look at the last four, they haven't been as good. But Oklahoma State's the number seven program in the country in terms of winning percentage over the last three years. And their recruiting ranking in 2018 was uh, 33rd. So they were 26 spots lower than what their winning percentage has been. Uh, Now, obviously winning games is not the only thing that goes into recruiting, but you've got a program to sell, you know, and you've had a program to sell and you've got facilities, you've got all these things and they're just not doing it. The the only teams that were worse in terms of their three-year winning percentage were Wisconsin or the difference between their three-year winning percentage and their recruiting class for this year was Wisconsin, who was like 40 spots worse, which was crazy. And Stanford, which was like 30 spots uh, worse than uh, their their winning percentage. Stanford's a little bit of a – they're usually in the top 20, top 15 in terms of recruiting, but Wisconsin's right there with Oklahoma State. I, I would say those are kind of the two outlier programs over the last, I don't know, decade that have – I mean, there's two ways to look at it. You can say, well, they're doing more with less because they're not getting guys, or they're doing less with more on the recruiting trail because they're not turning their program success into better and better players. And so I, I, it's just, it is frustrating, you know, OU goes out and gets, I don't know, 15 or 17, four and five star guys. And I don't expect them to be OU, but at least compete, at least be competitive in recruiting. I, I just, I don't know. Uh, and, and maybe, maybe the formula is what it is for a reason. And that's the only way they're going to be a top 15 program. But I, I just, I don't really buy into that. Well, and I think we've seen certain coaches at OSU do that. Casey Dunn and, and Josh Henson are recruiting at the level 
you and you and I want, and that's that leads me to my point is why can't they just hire a bunch of arroyos, young dynamic recruiters, and and get on that level, because you're not like you're you're defying the odds, which Gundy's done. But uh, another stat: twenty one of the this is from our our boy Clay Travis. Twenty one of the past twenty two national champions have had at least two top ten recruiting classes in the four years before their title. Yeah, and he, and an average title team had three top ten classes. So I again. Do we expect OSU to win the national championship? Probably not. But to put yourself in the conversation, you got to be at least top fifteen. Yeah. But I, I, I think we can both agree, Kyle. Their winning percentage the last three years has been very fortuitous. I mean, they've won. Remember how many their record in the close games? It could have very easily been worse than that. And and those things tend to even out over time too. Yeah, uh, in, to your point about the the uh, national champs, like that's not if you follow recruiting at all, or if you follow college football closely, that's not a that's not a surprise. I was even looking at the all the Final Four teams. So since in, in the playoff era, what have there been f- uh, five playoffs now? F- uh, four maybe. So sixteen teams. Yep. There's only been there's only been two that have had five year average recruiting classes of worse than I think twenty. So it was Michigan State in 15 and Washington in 16. And those teams got beat in the playoffs by a combined like 70 points. So <laughs> even if like if you're making the playoff with a with a non-average like top 15, top 20 recruiting class over five years, you're getting housed. Like you're not going to win. There's, there's no chance. And... I mean, this was one of my points that I wrote about today, but we, we see this kind of empirically, right? Like, we saw it in Bedlam. Who's, who's, who was the guy in Bedlam for OSU? Tyron. Yeah, Tyron Siren. Tyron. I mean, like and that Justice is, Hill. <laughs> yeah, and who Justice was Hill. A three, who was a three-star, which Gundy would probably, if, if Gundy was on this podcast right now, he, he would be bringing up Justice Hill being a three-star, and we don't know what the hell we're talking about. Yeah, and that's fine, but the, the point is, like, you, you start getting more Tyrons, and you start you start really contending with, with OU and, and playing for for real playoff spots. And I know they're doing that right now, but when over the last, I don't know, th- when over the last three years, the three good teams that they've had, have you have you thought, man, they're going to beat OU and make the playoff? Mm, none. Yeah, none of them. And that, that's super frustrating. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. And, I don't and know. Texas is coming too. Yeah, it's not good. Uh, do you know the last team in the last 18 years to win a national championship without having had a, a top 10 recruiting class uh, the two or three years prior? Uh, Auburn in 10? Oklahoma in 2000. There you go. It's been that long. And that was a huge upset in its own right. I mean, Florida yeah. State was a 13-point favorite. So it just illustrates even more. Cruton matters, and I, I, don't, matters. I don't understand... And I'm not asking for OSU to be a top 10 class. I I understand that they recruit a certain level of athlete, but man, 33 just, it seems like that's where they've been the last 10 years. And just, it seems like the wins should be producing more gains on the recruiting trail. Just can Casey Dunn and and Josh Henson recruit uh, safeties, corners, (laughs) recruit everybody. (laughs) Well, and and another point that that, uh, somebody brought up today in Slack, Philip, uh, Slavin still don't know how to say his last name. I hope that's right. Um, he was talking about recruiting budget and I went and looked it up for the last fiscal year. It was like 350,000. It sounds like a lot, but I was looking at the women's basketball recruiting budget. It's about 125,000. Wow. So your, your football recruiting budget is only about not even three times bigger than your women's basketball recruiting budget. It just, and again, like I don't know how to compare that across conferences, across schools, but it it seems like you should be pouring a ton of money into your recruiting budget. There's a great article I think we might have talked about it on here by uh, Pete Thamel for Yahoo after Georgia beat OU, and it was talking about how obsessed Georgia is with recruiting. Like they spent tons of money on it. They've spent tons of resources and personnel on recruiting. And guess what? They got seven of the 29 five stars this year. They had the best class in the 247 sports era in terms of, of uh, total uh, aggregate points across all your players that you recruited. Seven five stars. 
it, it, it matters and it pays off to invest in it. Is Oklahoma State ever going to do that? No. Could they invest a lot more money and a lot more resources in the recruiting? Absolutely. And I think they should. Was about a hundred K of that three hundred thousand on the chopper? <laughs> how much that chopper cost? Well, that was that was the seventeen fiscal year, so they hadn't gotten it yet. We'll okay. see how much it well it goes up to this. Hopefully, this that was just a friend of the program. He just did it for fun. But uh, yeah. where was OSU ranked in the Big Twelve recruiting wise? Uh, they were fifth behind Texas OU, TCU, and Baylor. Man, that's rough. That is not good. Not good at all. I mean, I just the Baylor and Maryland thing. How's Maryland out recruiting you? What are you doing? Where are we at in society? How's Baylor out recruiting you? Yeah, the Baylor one's the one that sticks out. I can even understand TCU because yeah, they're yeah. they're in Dallas, Fort Worth. Totally, I understand that. Um, but Baylor, oof, that's rough. Now, all that having been said, Oklahoma State did have its highest uh, per player average in terms of uh, the rankings ever under Gundy. And yeah, so and that, I think I think that has to do with Josh Henson because he, Dunn's yeah. been pulling in receivers for a long time, and what we've seen the difference there is Henson. Yeah, and and it tells me that they're kind of the bottom of their class is getting better. Like the bottom of their class this year was was good. Like they kind of raised the floor on their class, but they're still not getting those top end guys that really send you into the top twenty five, top twenty, top fifteen in recruiting. And I don't know. I don't know if they ever will under Gundy. Well, I will say this. Gundy recruits he's he's to the point now where he recruits certain types of guys too. You know, Tyron Tyron got out of his world there and had to had to stay at home for the Pittsburgh game. I think that's how Gundy views a lot of the higher end recruits is is headaches and, and not that that cowboy culture, which makes me cringe when they say that. Mm. Uh, the cowboy culture I think is is big for the type of player he recruits. And I think if Gundy were on this pod, he would also counter with you know, Brandon Pettigrew was a two-star. Kendall Hunter was a three-star. So I do trust Mike Gundy's evaluation more so than I do 247 or, or rivals. I will say that. I will give him the benefit of the doubt in that way because he has proven that he knows the type of players he's looking for. Uh, Zach Robinson, I mean, nobody wanted – I mean, I guess he was going to Kansas State when they went and got him. He was like a three-star. So, I mean, I will give Mike some benefit of the doubt. It's just from an outsider looking in, to borrow another one of his terms – it just seems like they could get uh, higher ranked classes than they do. Can you give me a little uh, Gundy on on why you know you get you can you can score some Brandon Pettigrews and Justice Hills at three stars? Yeah, yeah. This is this pistols firing pod. Um, I heard I heard y'all were were ripping me. Um, just go, go go log on. Type in www.rivals.com. Or go or go to Robert's site. Robert's got it right there, don't you, Robert? Robert, you got the site ready? Yeah, Robert. Robert says he's got his site right there. Uh, want the best player in OSU history? Brandon Pettigrew, two two stars. That's it, two stars. We the only ones who wanted him. We knew how good he was. We we take two and three stars and make them four and five stars. Kyle Boone and Kyle Porter. You two guys think you got all the answers? We done we done our recruiting. We we only take certain types. Uh, Tyron learned his lesson, but I've learned my lesson on the Tyrons. Okay, so you lead the recruiting <laughs> to me, boys. Click. The two Kyles. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got like four or five Kyles, but I I, I limited it to two. That's uh, so good. You lead the recruiting to me. <laughs> Well, Coach. Robert's uh, got his sight right there. Pulled up. That, that was good. That was so good. Um, well, the data tells me you got to have top 25 classes to make the playoffs, and even then you're going to get housed. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the thing, Kyle. Like, Could you imagine if OSU had played Georgia this year mm. or Bama? Well, Just, it, it, is, it is interesting because I think there's a little bit of a false sense of security within the Big 12. Because Oklahoma State, I mean, they've just been good enough to beat Iowa State and Texas Tech repeatedly. Like, that's just – it's just on repeat. Beat Texas Tech, beat Iowa State, beat Kansas State, uh, beat beat Texas over the last five years. And then you, you get out of your world nationally, and it's like, oh. You know, Ohio State had, had uh, like, 21 four-stars. Are you, are you kidding me? <laughs> I mean, like, they're not even playing the same sport. 
and so it's it's almost a miracle what what Gundy has done. But I I would be interested to go back and look at the average recruiting class or four year recruiting classes of Big Twelve champions because that's a little different. You've seen Kansas State win it. You've seen uh, Baylor win it, even though they had some pretty good, if not questionable, classes. Um, so I don't know. Maybe maybe we'll do that next week. We'll kind of look at that average because that's your primary goal, or it has to be if you're Oklahoma State. You're you're not going to be winning national titles, but you can win the Big Twelve based on where you're at. So I think that would be an interesting number to go find. Well, and I think the years that OU didn't win it, I think OU's recruiting fell off quite a bit with with Bob Stoops. They for the for them, I mean, they were in like the 15s for from like 2000. Uh, Basically, until last year's recruiting yeah. class, they they were at right around the fifteen range instead of those, you know, in Stoops' heyday, they were top five to top ten, and I think Have that kind of that opened the window for Baylor, who was doing who knows what to get the type of players <laughs> they were getting. Have you seen uh, people talk about how Stoops is a way or Riley will never recruit like Stoops? <laughs> what do you mean? Pe- people like OSU fans like to talk about how Riley is just not the recruiter that Stoops is and he never will be. Are they paying attention? Cause he's recruiting I, I, better than Bob. Yeah. It's not really close. No. Like, and he's just getting like, like this year's class will be worse than next year's and vice and, and repeating. Like, I think like Riley really is cutting edge as far as the social media stuff that he's doing and yeah. just stuff in general. And I think, that's something I think Mike Gundy's doing a good job with with social media. You know, the, the kids like the uh, the graphics. The graphics department's been pretty good. So uh, Riley's really injected new life into OU's recruiting, which had become quite stale. And I think Tom Herman and, and Lincoln Riley are just going to wage war for Texas, and Gundy's going to just kind of pluck the ones that he wants, and it's it's worked out for him so far. Yeah, it has. But I mean, he's only won one I mean, Big 12 title while Texas was super down. Yeah. And while OU was down by their standards, so yeah. Uh, if I'm, if Mike Holder or Chad Weiberg is coming to me and says, "What's the best thing? What's here's a million dollars? What's the best thing we can do for our athletic department? Put it all in recruiting every yep. year. Bump your budget yep. up by a million dollars. Seriously, OU is not spending three hundred fifty thousand dollars on recruiting in football. I'm sorry, <laughs> no. like that's not that's not very much money. Well, maybe that was added to Gundy's contract for next year. Maybe that was part of stipulation, more money for recruiting and assistance. I'm not I sure. I hope so. I mean, do they need more analysts? Like, let's get some more recruiting people, personnel. Get, like, the number one Twitter guy. <laughs> because, you know, Willie Taggart has done incredible work at Florida State. He took them from, like, the 60s to a top 10 class. Granted, it's Florida State. But he said something really interesting. He said that, Twitter and social media now is more effective than directly texting the recruit. That's crazy. That, that's kind of where this is heading and, and already is. And he said, you either get on board with this or you're going to get left behind. So I, I hope that OSU, for their sake, is embracing the, the Twitter and social media, which it, it sure seems like they have. Just I think they need to stay on the front end of, that, of how that, all that works, which I don't know how I could – I don't know how Mike Gunny at 50 years old is expected to – tweet recruits and stuff like that but i guess that's where we're at in society today hire southwell (laughs) he'd be good at it he's good at the the twitters he'd be awesome it'd be it'd be awesome it'd be fantastic (laughs) okay i know i like how we talked beforehand about we had nothing to talk about and then we still almost won an hour uh what are you doing this weekend carson uh watching hoops i'll be in the in studio watching some hoops we'll see if osu can pull one out at west virginia That'd be that'd be another miracle. Uh, that's what I'll be doing as well. Got some golf, Pebble Beach, good scenery this weekend. Uh, Ooh, they they send you to Pebble? Well, no, but it good scenery <laughs> on my on my television. Uh, is Tiger playing? No, next week. Where's that? Where's next week? L.A. All Star Game, Genesis Open, Riviera. Oh yeah. Oh, I'm I'm already locked in. I'm ready. Yeah, it's gonna be awesome. Well, did so. did Rick did Rick fall off the wagon on Sunday? Did he just fall uh, apart? Wasn't good. He's got He's Sunday one, issues, doesn't he? One for six, closing fifty-four hole leads or co-leads, and like doesn't just lose the lead, like blows up. Yeah, I have a, I have a theory about him. I, I floated this. I'll, I'll give you like my thirty-second version. I floated this on my golf podcast with CBS, but. 
I think that he just doesn't have this sort of internal uh, clock that measures like the rhythm of a tournament. Like that's what Jordan Spieth is so good at. You look up and you're like, how the hell is Jordan Spieth leading this tournament late on a Sunday? But he always peaks at the right time. Like, like Spieth, Spieth never like falls back on, on not never, but he rarely falls back on Saturday and Sunday. He's always, it's like his, he just peaks on Sunday afternoon. There's no other way to put it. And Fowler just doesn't like if he runs into a 63 on Sunday, he wins a golf tournament, but he just does. He, I don't know. Like he, it, it probably doesn't make sense to say it out loud, but that's sort of where I feel like he's at right now. Yeah. He's got to figure it out, man. Uh, if he wants to win a major, that's for sure. Well, I picked him to win the masters. So oh, too bad. Uh, you know, who, who won the Masters? Sergio, that's right. Um, yeah. Sergio, I can't wait for Sergio to put the jacket on Big Cat in Butler Cabin. <laughs> I, I cannot wait. I'm already, they already, they need to get the jacket fitted, get it ready. Cause uh, well, they've, they've already wait. got four that they've fitted him for, although he's lost some weight. How much coop do you want to wager on, on Tiger not winning the Masters? Do they have a fused back size jacket handy? <laughs> yeah, he's like, he's like a half inch shorter now. <laughs> Well, what do, I need some odds here. Picking one guy against the field is not very. This isn't yeah, two thousand Tiger. I give you a ten to one. Is that what you want? Uh, what, what's the odds in Vegas right now? Oh, I think he's fifteen or twenty. Okay, I'll take fifteen or twenty. <laughs> so twenty cases of coop, and I get one. Well, cases. How about beers? Okay, twenty beers, and I get one if he doesn't win. Yeah, yeah, that's that that's fine. fair to me. That's fine. Yeah, like like Tiger's not winning the Masters, so yeah, you're gonna win this. But yeah. I will be intoxicated if Tiger does how somehow win. <laughs> okay, Carson, we will talk next week, and hope you have a good weekend. Sounds good. See you, dude. See you.